Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, welcome Pathway family. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and you are having a great new year. Uh, one of the interesting things about the Christmas season as a pastor is some of the gifts that you receive at, at Christmas time. And some of you might have received uh, some gifts like this as well, but as a pastor, you might commonly receive a, a gift that looks like this. Now, this gift, you know, to me, it's, it's certainly awesome. It's a picture of Jesus and the verse on there, let the little children come unto me. And, and, and I think it's awesome. It's the word of God. It's true. It certainly reminds you of the character of Jesus. Or maybe you might get a, a picture like this. It says, ask and it will be given to you, right out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It's a great reminder that Jesus is there, that in prayer, that he can meet all uh, of our needs. And both of these scripture verses uh, really make us feel good and make us feel warm inside about the person of Jesus. And to me, that's awesome. But the problem is because these are the only kinds of images we have of Jesus we tend to romanticize him and I would say kind of domesticate him. We just see Jesus as being kind of a friend who makes us feel better when we're down. And certainly 100%, let me tell you, that's true. But that's not the whole picture. The problem is that it's not a necessarily biblically accurate picture of Jesus. So today, for fun, in the name of biblical accuracy, uh, we've created a new website called biblicallyaccurate.com. That's not true, I just made that up. <laughs> and we've created some art here for you to be able to give away to your favorite person for the next holiday season coming up. So the first artistic creation we made was this one. This one right here, anyone who wants to come to me must hate their father and their mother. There you go, right right from, right from Jesus. You could frame that. Maybe you could give it to your mom for Mother's Day next year. I mean, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> or how about this one? Uh, the next one says, you know, if your right hand caused you to stumble, cut it off. 
cut it off. I mean, you know, you need to serve Jesus, but in the name of Jesus, sometimes you've got to cut your hand off. So there you have, or, or this one, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, that will certainly make you look attractive for the new year. But, but, but the truth is, Jesus said all of these things. Jesus said all kinds of shocking things that we tend not to talk about or we edit them out of our conversations. And the problem with this inaccurate picture of Jesus is that it can lead us astray from the authentic and transforming work that he really wants to do in all of our lives. How Jesus really wants to change us, you and I, as we come into this new year. And so this week, we're launching this brand new series that we've entitled Shocking. And we're going to be looking at five unbelievable things that Jesus said. Because if we really want to grow and really be transformed by Jesus in this coming year, we have to challenge ourselves, really, with an authentic view of who Jesus is and really what his call is on our lives. And if we do that, I promise you, God will transform our lives in some ways that we have never seen before. Now, the shocking statement that we are looking at this week is really uh, the cornerstone of everything else that we're going to be looking at all throughout the series. It's actually the verse that our church really was named after, uh, a pathway. And it's what Jesus said in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus' statement here is so shocking, it created major shockwaves uh, back in the first century, but it's still creating major shockwaves today. You see, in our culture today, in fact, when we hear uh, Jesus' statement that he is the way, most of the time the, re the reaction is, it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> calm down just a little bit. Calm down. I mean, take a chill pill. I mean, that seems very narrow-minded. I mean, now we're in 2022. So come on. Jesus the way? Well, why is that? Why is Jesus' statement uh, shocking inside of our own culture? Why is it so shocking? Well, it's so shocking because you and I live in a pluralistic society. Meaning when it comes to faith, we try to value everything equally. And in doing so, we reject any claims to absolute truth. In fact, most people in the United States would say all the religions are pretty much the same. For example, according to USA Today, although 65% of people classify themselves as Christ followers, 43% say that it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. 70% of Christ followers and non-Christian uh, religious groups say many religions lead to eternal life. And 48% of people believe if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others, they will earn a place in heaven. So by and large, in our culture, when we hear Jesus say that he is the only way to God, in our culture, that's shocking. That is shocking. And I think it's important that we understand our present cultural context that we're living in as we try to answer this question. Because it does inform how we feel about this question. It does inform that. But remember, though, the question is not Jesus' statement, does it make us feel uncomfortable or comfortable? The real question is, is it true? Is Jesus' claim true? 
Because this claim is reiterated by Jesus and others all throughout the scriptures. For example, Jesus said in John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one that I claim to be. You indeed will die in your sins. Or what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where it says salvation is found in no one else. Further, <coughs> there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Not going to be honest, uh, uh, my first inclination kind of in talking about this uh, passage of Scripture today was to talk about why Jesus has the right and the authority to make such a claim, to say that he is the only way to God. And, and I could do that. And, and we could talk about the fact that Jesus had miracle-working power. We could talk about all the, the Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled. Uh, we could talk about his perfect life. Uh, his uh, avoidable death, or we could even talk about his verifiable resurrection. Because all of those things point to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And if he really is the Son of God, then of course he has the right to say, I am the way. But in general though, as I've talked to people about this question, here's what I've discovered. The, the, this question really has less to do with any kind of intellectual obstacle but rather it has a lot to do with emotional barriers, how we emotionally react to this question. It has more to do with our emotional barriers because it runs so contrary to our contemporary ways of thinking in our own culture. And there are two reasons why Jesus' statement here in John 14, 6, I think it runs so contrary to our contemporary thinking and it's an emotional barrier for us and really honestly for others. And the first reason is Jesus seems exclusive. He seems exclusive when he says this, doesn't he? Because many people would say, I can't believe in Jesus, uh, that he's the only way because it seems exclusive. Now, there was a guy named J. Herbert uh, McCain once that said, it's safe to say that the most offensive aspect of 20th century Christianity is its exclusiveness. And, and that's this idea of saying our way is right and there is no other way. When you say something like that in our culture, it just seems exclusive. It seems intolerant. Now, every religion is equally protected under law in our country, and that's a, obviously a very good thing. But that does not mean that every religion is equally valid or true. Just because a religion is protected does not make uh, sense that it's true. Because if you just do a quick survey of all the major religions of the world, they all actually make very exclusive claims to truth. So if different religions have competing claims on the truth, logic, logically speaking, they can all be wrong, but they all can't be right. They all can't be valid. So for example, the first pillar of Islam is there's one guy, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Well, if you don't believe uh, that the Allah of the Quran is God and that Muhammad is his prophet, then they would say, People of the Islamic faith would say you were wrong. That's exclusive, isn't it? Well, in Buddhism, Buddha taught that there was an eightfold path to enlightenment. You might try to become enlightened in other ways, but there's an eightfold path. And if you're not on that path, they would say you're wrong. You see, that's exclusive. So an exclusive claim to truth isn't anything that is actually unique to Christianity. It's true that all the major religions of the world make exclusive claims to truth. And just because something is protected by law doesn't mean that it's true. But what Jesus does here 
in, in his life and in everything that means to be Christ following is so different than all the other major religions of the world. You see, he offers himself to everyone. Jesus offers himself to everyone. He's not exclusive. So, for example, I want you to imagine this week if there were two country clubs that opened up here at the beginning of the year across the street from each other. And one country club requires an annual income of $150,000. You've got to be male. You've got to speak English as your first language. So you have to meet certain criteria and you have to fulfill certain obligations. And if you fulfill those criteria and you fulfill those obligations, you're in. But the other country club has a sign on the front door that says, rich or poor, black or white, short or tall, anyone from anywhere, whatever you've done, you're invited in. You see, it's not based on your credentials or what religious things that you've done. It's based on accepting an invitation. So now, which one of those country clubs would you say is exclusive? You see, becoming a Christ follower is available. It's available to anyone. Anyone can accept Jesus' invitation. In fact, the scriptures describe the multitudes in heaven as being from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And the scriptures say as well that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's an invitation that's made to everyone. Another reason we struggle emotionally with Jesus' claim that he is the way is because it's true. That's a little funny, but absolute truth seems exclusive in our culture. You know, a few months back, I had to go to the hardware store to be able to uh, get a couple of keys made. And when I got there, the guy behind the counter asked me for a key so he could make the copy of it. But let's just imagine right then I said, hey, I don't have the key. I've lost it. So just pick any key because any of them will do. Well, he would immediately say, don't you think? No, that's not how it works. I've got to have the key that opens the door that you're trying to unlock. That's the only way to unlock the door. You've got to have the right key. That's the only key that will work. But what, I, what if I said then in return, well, you exclusive key maker, <laughs> just pick any key. It doesn't matter at all. I'll just use that. Well, you see, it's not exclusive to have the right key because it's true. There's only one key that will open one particular door. And so here's the truth. Whether a person feels like this is exclusive or not, it doesn't matter. Because there's a disease called sin that we've all got, and the scripture teaches that it's a terminal disease, that the wages of sin is death. But God has given us a way through a relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to be saved. You know, 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The wonderful thing about Christ following is that all the other religions of the world, they are spelled D-O. Do. It's all about what you do to be able to get yourself to God. But becoming a Christ follower is spelled D-O-N-E done. It's all about what Jesus has done. It's all about what he's done for you. He's made a way when there was no way through his perfect sacrificial death on the cross. He's made a path for us to be able to get to heaven. You see, Jesus being the way isn't exclusive. It's just the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. 
Now, other people in this conversation might say, I have a hard time believing in Jesus, that he's the only way to God, because it just seems so arrogant. To say that your way is the right way and everyone else is wrong, it just seems arrogant. So the second emotional barrier that people struggle with is that Jesus seems arrogant. Well, in order to overcome this emotional barrier, you've got to understand that arrogance is based purely on a person's perspective. In other words, uh, people who accuse a person of being uh, arrogant are doing so based on their own perspective. This is kind of a little bit of a humorous example. But I don't like when people kind of try to boss me around and tell me that there is one specific way that you're supposed to do something. I mean, it, it just makes me mad. I just kind of bristle up when people start telling me the way I'm supposed to do something. Well, we had to cut some trees down in our yard this last week. And so Chris, my wife, started telling me the way that I ought to do it. <laughs> now, to be fair, Chris is very good at figuring out the right way to do things, whether that be building something or making something or taking some trees out. But I kind of just bristled up, and I, I just felt like it was arrogant and exclusive uh, to me that she started telling me the way I was supposed to take out those trees. So I told her, well, this is man's work, and there's probably a hundred ways you can cut down these trees. So I got my two boys, Luke and Josh, and we started cutting down those trees. Well, let me show you what happened. Up, 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 up. There you have it. It fell on the house. <laughs> well, Chris's ideas, maybe at the time, they might have seemed a little bit arrogant to me, but if I would have believed what she was telling me, I could have saved my house from, from some damage. You see, what keeps us from accepting Jesus' invitation and his direction in, in our life isn't arrogance, it's rather our own pride. You see, my pride keeps me from accepting Jesus' invitation and his direction in my life. I want to do it my way. And in the end, my pride circumvents me from experiencing his blessing in my life, and I end up doing a lot of damage to myself and a lot of damage to other people. And so I want to ask you, what area of your life is your pride circumventing you from accepting his direction and his leadership in your life? Where is that for you as you come into this year? Is it the way you talk? Is it the way you spend your money? Is it how you raise your kids? Is it how you navigate in your relationships? But what area is it for you that your pride is circumventing God's direction in your life? You see, Jesus isn't being arrogant. He just wants your best. He just wants your best. He wants the very best for your life and he wants the very best for this world. You know, a few years ago there was a, a plane crash that tragically killed the 49 people who were taking off in a plane from Lexington, Kentucky. And first when it was reported, many people uh, wondered if it was some kind of terrorist attack or if there'd been some kind of major mechanical failure. But in the end, many people were astonished to find out that it was just a simple matter. A matter of a pilot taking off on the wrong runway. You see, one, ray, one runway wasn't as good as another. There was a runway that they were supposed to take off on. 
And what was more disturbing was the transcript of the pilot's conversation just moments before they crashed. And moments before that plane crashed, they were talking about their jobs, their families, and even their pets. They just were completely oblivious to the fact that they were on the wrong path. And investigators, they speculated how this crash could have happened. They said, well, it was difficult. After all, it, it was rainy. The pilots were in unfamiliar territory. Uh, the, the runway that they came to, it looked the same as the other runways. There was, there was no warning that they were on the wrong path. But eventually, they concluded that they should have noticed that something wasn't right. That they should have checked the numbers more carefully at the start. That they should have noticed the runway was much narrow than, or, than the one that they were supposed to take on, or they should have questioned why that it wasn't lit. But they didn't do any of those things. No, they chose the wrong path. And it led to a horrible tragedy. You know what? There are a lot of different religions and philosophies in this world. And they might look all okay on the outside. They talk about spiritual things. They may contain certain truths and they promise certain results. And in maybe your confusion, it might be easy for you to start down the wrong path or to go down the path that everyone else seems to be going on. But remember, the scriptures say, be careful because there is a way that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. And I want to let you know, Jesus humbly says to you, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way to God, the way to heaven, the way to life, it's not complicated. It's through a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And he offers that relationship to every person. He offers it to every person right now. And so as we begin to close today, I just want to go and I want us to talk to God about that. And so I just want to ask everyone right now at all of our locations, those of you who are watching online, just to bow your head to be able to close your eyes with me and let's spend some time talking to God. And as we begin to pray right now, I really believe there are two groups of people here. First, there are those of you that believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there are others of you that say, you know, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to believe that. So let me first talk to those of you who believe that Jesus is the way, that he's the Lord, that he's the absolute leader of your life. And I want you to ask yourself right now, if that's true for you, have your actions truly reflected that he is the way? that he is the Lord of your life? Or have you just kind of been blending into the culture around you? I want you to think about the words that you say. I want you to think about the attitudes that are going on in your heart or think about how you spend your money or think about, like I said earlier, how you raise your children. Do your actions do your actions reflect that Jesus is the way, that he's the absolute Lord of your life? Or is your pride circumventing you? And are you blending in to 
really just the world around you. My guess is that many of you are like me and would say, if you're really honest, God, my actions have not reflected the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm all really honest. So we have to say, forgive me. Change me. Change me, God, today. I want to do better. I want to put you first in every area of my life. And if that's you today, that your actions have not reflected really the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, and you want to do better in this new year by submitting to his direction in a humble way, I want you to lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands right now. If you're watching online, you can type me in the chat, but lift up your hands right now. If your actions have truly not reflected the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, but you want to do better in this coming year, in submitting to his direction for your life, praise God, me too. I want to be more submitted this year to the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life than I ever have before. I want my heart to be humbly just before him, submitting to that he's the way, the truth, and and the life. So let me pray for us right now. Oh God, I just thank you so much that, that you are a good God. And we just come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ, humbly asking your forgiveness for how we have not wholly and fully submitted ourselves to your leadership in our life. You haven't been the, the absolute Lord of our life, God. You've been something else. And God, we ask your forgiveness. And God, we commit ourselves not just to confess you with our lips, God, but to uh, confess you with our lives, God to confess you with our lives, with every part of us, God. And Lord, we want to do that in a greater and greater degree in our lives, Lord. And so we just give ourselves afresh to you as we move into this new year, to submit ourselves more and more to your leadership and to your direction in our lives. Now, as we continue to pray, I know there's others of you Others of you today that maybe you learned something. You've learned something today and God's doing something spiritual in your life today. And what's going on is that the loving God of this universe, what he's doing right now is that he's reaching out to you by the power of his Holy Spirit and he's drawing you. The Holy Spirit is working in your life right now and his goal is to be able to draw you and introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. The way that you take that first step down the path of knowing Jesus Christ is by opening up the door of your heart and asking him to be able to come in. It's making him, Jesus, the leader, the savior of your life. And so today, as we kind of launch into this new year, I don't want you to miss this opportunity, this game-changing opportunity as you enter into this new year to make Jesus Christ the leader, the savior of your life. And so I want to invite you right now, as the Holy Spirit has been drawing you already, I invite you right now, pray this prayer with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. But thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you to be the leader and the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. And now use my life, Jesus, to go and share your truth and your love with other people. 
Now, with everybody's head still bowed right now and eyes still closed, you prayed that prayer for the very first time. You made Jesus Christ the leader and the Savior of your life. Man, I want you to raise up your hand real high. You to raise up your hand real high. Just to be able to say to God today that you are all in and so that, that I can pray for you right. Raise your hand up real high. Say it to God. Say it to God, I want, I want you in this new year. I want you in this new year. Raise up your hand real high. Praise God. Praise God. Let me pray for you right now. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you today for my friends, my brothers and sisters who surrendered to you, who submitted their lives to you, who gave themselves to you as the, the leader and the savior of their lives. God, I just pray that you would do a powerful work in them. Pour down your blessing, pour down your power. God, transform them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you are so good, and we just thank you that you're here. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.